Welcome to the Memory Library Subspace Network. Input inquiry now. Access granted. Activating holographic interface. Mary Todd Lincoln, wife and first lady to American President Abraham Lincoln, once recalled an account of an event that may have foretold her husband's tragic ending. One day, not long after Lincoln was elected in 1860, he arrived home and gazed into a bureau mirror where he saw himself reflected in double. Allegedly, Lincoln described his visage. Nearly at full length, but my face had two separate and distinct images. Lincoln noticed that, although the images were nearly identical, one was a little paler, say five shades, than the other. Mary was said to be concerned and told Lincoln she believed the paleness of half the dual image was a bad omen, a portent of tragedy to come. What would happen if you met your doppelganger? What if, outside the mirror universe, another you existed? Without your experiences and tribulations, would they be the same person? What if that image in the mirror lived all the tragedies and terror that you hadn't? To answer that, put yourself on the other side of that mirror. Who would you be? today, but crime does still exist in the universe. Some mundane, some on a galactic scale. This is a journal of the most memorable, most important crimes in the Milky Way galaxy and the complex beings who commit them. It may not have been realized at the time, but the Dominion War would create shockwaves that rippled throughout the galaxy for countless years to come. All involved would be changed forever, but no society would receive the brunt of its effects like the Romulan Star Empire. Even though they had hoped to avoid costly conflict with the Dominion by signing a non-aggression pact early in the build-up to war, they would soon be drug into the deadliest and most pivotal conflict in the galaxy's history. As the outlook for the powers of the Alpha and Beta Quadrants grew increasingly grim, the Romulan Star Empire turned to drafting soldiers from their dirty little secret. The people of Romy, known to the rest of the galaxy as Remus. The Remen were, at best, second-class citizens of the Empire, and at worst, slave labor, their population subjugated when then-violent Vulcan pilgrims settled on a twin planet in the system. A planet that would become Romulus. Remus was tidally locked, with one hemisphere always facing the Romulan star, while the other always facing away. 
the civilization of the Remans was located on the night side, due to the extreme temperatures on the day side, and thus evolved in perpetual darkness. As late as the 24th century, before the destruction of the Romulan star system, French theories existed that the Riemann species was a genetic branch of Romulans and Vulcans. Perhaps proto-Vulcan or sharing a common ancestor. Some theories suggest the Riemanns were telepathic outcasts of the faction who left Vulcan following the Great Awakening more than 3,000 years ago. In the dark depths of Remus's dilithium mines, a human boy struggled to survive the endless toil of physical labor and constant beatings by Romulan guards and fellow miners. Beside the injustice of endless torture, he knew this was not where he belonged. He was Jean-Luc Picard, after all. He who would be the savior of the Federation many times over, though he would be known by his adopted Riemann brethren as Shinzon. But how is it that Jean-Luc Picard is entombed deep under the Riemann surface while he's also the valiant captain of a Federation starship? Initially created by the Tal Shiar after obtaining the DNA of Jean-Luc Picard, Shinzon was a clone meant to replace Picard, one of Starfleet's most decorated and noted figures of the 24th century. As part of the ambitious plot, Shinzon's designs incorporated temporal RNA sequencing, which could be used to accelerate his physical age to Picard's at any time. He was an exact copy of Picard, intended to receive even his exact memory engrams atop the secret programming to be embedded in his mind. Not long after Shinzon was created, though, political power within the Empire shifted, as it often did, and the Romulan Senate abandoned the plan, believing it too provocative if an act like that was discovered. With no use for such a clone, the Empire exiled Shinzon from Romulus, sending him, still a child, to work as a slave laborer in the dilithium mines on Remus. Despised by the Romulans stationed on the planet, Shinzon became the target of abuse and torture. In his time in the mines, he was often brutally beaten, having his nose and jaw broken by vicious Romulan guards, and in the course of his 18-hour workday, constantly lashed with Romulan whips. One unnamed Riemann, however, took pity on Shinzon, teaching him strength, empathy, and safety under his protection. His benefactor would never leave his side as the years slowly rolled on. During the Dominion War of 2374 and 2375, the Romulan military drafted Shinzon out of the mines and onto the front lines, where he distinguished himself in battle as strategic genius and eventually a fierce stalwart commanding officer of Riemann troop divisions, fighting 12 successful campaigns against the Dominion. Following the end of the war, Shinzon had both military experience and a capable army at his disposal. Forming an alliance with several Romulan officials, including Senator Talara and commanders Suran and Donatra, Shinzon vowed to free his Riemann brothers. Everything he had done had been for the sole purpose of liberating the Riemann, from building a massive warbird, the Scimitar, at a secret shipyard, to assembling his army and finally coming to Romulus in force. Shinzon realized the Romulans would never willingly liberate them. They would have to forcibly take their freedom. Operating out of a secret base near Remus, Shinzon and his people also developed an illegal weapon, utilizing deadly Thaleron radiation. 
Unlike metagenic viral weapons developed by Cardassia in the late 24th century, Thalerin is a type of radiation in the tertiary M-band with biogenic properties, able to consume organic matter at the subatomic level. Thalerin's unique properties allow its effective range to expand almost without limit, meaning that even a microscopic amount can be incredibly dangerous. Because of its lethality, Thaleron research was banned by the Federation. For a long time, it was considered to be only theoretical, until 2379, when it was used by Shinzon in one of the most ambitious plots in the galaxy's history. On Romulus, in the capital city, two Romulan commanders urged the Senate to accept an alliance with Shinzon, an opportunity that would make the Empire powerful enough to outmatch any foe in the Quadrant, even the Federation. The Riemann militias had become unified under Shinzon, building their own fleets and gaining power within the Empire as they slowly built autonomy right under the arrogant, then distracted Romulan government's nose. Unfortunately for Romulus, their proposal fell on death ears, as Praetor Hiron, the then-current head of state, dismissed the growing threat of instability in the branches of empirical society. The military does not dictate policy on Romulus, he proclaimed, and unwisely waved off those who warned of Shinzon and his followers. He threatened that the Riemann would be met with force and sent back to the black rock they came from. As legend tells us, Shinzon ally Senator Tolora stood and excused herself for a scheduled meeting with the Tholian ambassador. As the Senate began discussing trade relations with Celis II, a small device left behind by Telora opened, sending a cascade of Thaleron radiation over the room. Confused, the Praetor called for security to bring Telora back to the Senate floor, but it was too late. The entire Senate began to decay from the inside, and the Praetor himself toppled to the ground and crumbled to dust. The revolution was a success. Shinzong a human and leader of the Riemann people, now sat at the head of the new Romulan Senate. Praetor Shinzon and Remus would no longer hide in the shadows. In 2379, Shinzon planted the parts of a Sung-type android B4 near the neutral zone border world of Kolaris III. B4 was a prototype android with an eye-roll-inducing name constructed by Dr. Noonien Sung on Omicron Theta in the 2330s. He was one of three failed attempts and the only one to survive a significant amount of time after his activation before the construction of Lore. The positronic emissions from B4 drew the attention of the USS Enterprise-E, the first Federation starship to visit the planet and one who knew a thing or two about positronic brains. An Enterprise away team of Picard, Worf, and Data collected the scattered parts that they came under fire from the Kalarians. Not exactly the most elegant first contact ever executed by Picard, but their presence on Kalaris III did ensure that the Enterprise was the closest ship to Romulus when Shinzon made an overture of peace to the Federation. The Enterprise crew's soft spot for anything Sung exposed their gullibility. Embarrassingly, once assembled, B4 was used as an unwitting spy. He was equipped with a second memory port that contained subversive programming that compelled him to download vital information about the positions of all Federation starships and their coded communication frequencies. The brilliant scheme proved amateurish, though, as it was discovered rather quickly, allowing Commander Data to pose as B4 as a measure of counterespionage. 
Unbeknownst to Picard, Shinzon had an ulterior motive in luring the Enterprise to Romulus, beside the obvious ulterior motive that he telegraphs the whole time. Since his cellular system was designed to accept the process of his time-activated aging, the non-initiation of his magic RNA sparked the rapid deterioration of his body for some reason. The only solution would prove to be a blood transfusion from the source of his genes, Picard himself. It's just science. Upon meeting Picard, Shinzon delayed his plans, having acquired an intense interest in his progenitor's history and that of the Picard family line. While the Riemann had given Shinzon a future, he longed to know about Picard's past. Like Shinzon, the Picards were warriors, yes, having fought at the Battle of Trafalgar in 1805, but he preferred to believe that they had a far greater legacy as explorers. Picards were some of the first Martian colonists. But despite their obvious similarities, Picard was reluctant to forge a friendship with Shinzon and an alliance with his Romulan government until the Praetor had earned his trust. Shinzon espoused unity, tearing down the neutral zone and establishing peace between their peoples. Shinzon could read Picard well and knew such lofty aspirations and nebulous concepts were a thin veil for Shinzon's ambition. Still, Picard is a lifelong diplomat, and a chance for peace cannot be ignored. Strangely, Shinzon also became smitten with the Enterprise's mental health counselor, Deanna Troy Riker, who was the first human woman, albeit only half-human, he'd ever seen. That caveat should explain any questions you may have about that particular behavior. His obsession becomes a dark one, though. Instead of proceeding with their mission, Shinzon had his lifelong guardian, now his viceroy, form a link between Shinzon's mind and that of Counselor Troy's to commit telepathic sexual assault upon her. Sadly, not the first she had endured. Violated, Troy now believed herself to be a liability and asked to be relieved of duty. Picard reluctantly denied her request. He needed his trusted advisor by his side now more than ever. Before he could say anything further, Picard was beamed away. The scimitar cloaked and skulked away from the Enterprise. Shinzon now had his lifeline, what he assumed is all of Starfleet's communications protocols, a loyal army, and the most dangerous weapon in the Quadrant. The Riemann would no longer bow before anyone, not the Dominion, not the Romulans, and not the Federation. Having posed as before, Data was able to stage a daring escape with Picard back to the Enterprise as he sped away from the well-armed and ill-intentioned scimitar. The Enterprise crew had yet to put all the pieces together, but it was clear that Shinzon had malevolent designs. His allies on Romulus, however, originally motivated by his plan to conquer Earth, thus the Federation, settled into the stark reality that conquering Earth wouldn't satisfy Shinzon's bloodlust. The scimitar pursued the Enterprise while cloaked, an advanced, undetectable cloak, waiting for the moment to strike. Shinzon himself continued to deteriorate slowly, losing grip on reality, and visibly clinging to life. To stay alive, he would have to catch Picard. To truly live, he believed he would have to kill him, and Earth itself. 
On the Enterprise, Picard and his crew realized they had no other choice but to stand and face the Scimitar, lest it continue to threaten the Federation with its apocalypse-inducing Thaleron weapon. Shinzon needed Picard's blood, meaning that he would be forced to attack the Enterprise before launching any other campaign. They were Earth's last best hope. The Enterprise was ordered to rendezvous with the Starfleet battle group Omega near the Basin Rift, where it would have the support of other starships. However, Shinzon had been planning ahead. When the Enterprise's subspace communications with Starfleet were disrupted by the Rift, the Scimitar quickly launched its attack. Firing while cloaked, the Scimitar quickly disabled the Enterprise's warp drive with a single volley and left it stranded, outgunned, and unable to call for help. Although it remained cloaked, the Enterprise was able to briefly locate and target the Scimitar by firing all phaser banks at a zero-degree elevation, scanning for shield impacts to attempt torpedo strikes, although the Scimitar was too maneuverable for the Enterprise to gain the upper hand. The glancing blows inflicted minimal damage, while Shinzon was able to weaken the Enterprise's dorsal shields. As the proverbial dust settled, a brief ceasefire offered respite, Shinzon projected a hologram of himself into the captain's ready room, an old technology that fell out of favor more than a century before, but had seen a modern revival, now untraceable. Shinzon offered Picard the chance to surrender himself in exchange for the lives of his crew, a lie, of course. Picard asked Shinzon to look at him. If he truly was a young Picard, then there must be a glimmer of hope for his redemption. Shinzon's heart, hands, eyes are all the same, and they all have the same potential for good. Using that potential to make Shinzon a better man is what it is to be human. When Shinzon dismissed his sentimentality, Picard declined to surrender. The near-hopeless standoff looked as though it was about to seal their fates. But, as if a deus ex machina, two Romulan Valdor-type warbirds decloaked between the two combatants. Commander Dinatra of the Valdor, and former ally of Shinzon, hailed the Enterprise. The Empire now considered Shinzon's attack a matter of internal security, and offered their arms in battle. While triangulating fire between the starships, the Warbirds and the Enterprise were able to score several direct hits on the Riemann warship before the Scimitar's superior firepower disabled both the newcomers. Back aboard the Enterprise, Counselor Deanna Troy offered a means of tracking the Scimitar through its cloaking device by telepathically linking with the Riemann Viceroy, avenging his violation of her mind and exposing his position. With several sections of the Enterprise's deflector screens failing, Shinzon ordered a boarding party to extract Picard. However, the Riemann troops were quickly pinned down by the valiant Enterprise security on Deck 29. The Viceroy, who led the boarding party, was hunted down and ultimately killed in the assault by the angry husband of Counselor Troy, Commander Riker. During the incursion on Deck 29, the Scimitar fired a spread of photon torpedoes at the Enterprise, destroying the gunwale of the Federation Starship's saucer section, causing explosive decompression of the bridge. Emergency force fields were erected to seal the hull, but casualties were sustained and lives were lost. With the weary combatants waging a war of sheer attrition, it appeared that the Scimitar would land the final blow. The Enterprise had depleted its complement of torpedoes, and phasers were minimal. 
while the scimitar shields were stalwart. Reminiscent, Picard recalled his first evaluation at Starfleet Academy, which suggested that he was extremely overconfident. Perhaps, if he was lucky, he and Shinzon shared more than just genes. In order to thwart the scimitar and rapidly running out of options, Picard realized their last weapon was the Enterprise itself. Shinzon moved his ship in position directly in front of the Enterprise so that he could figuratively look into Picard's eyes when ordering his surrender. Part bludgeon, part razor, the Enterprise would ram the scimitar head-on, leveling the playing field just enough to keep the Enterprise in the fight. Not quite the Picard maneuver, but effective. Shinzon's forces no longer had functioning disruptors, but he remained a threat. The ultimate step in Picard's final desperate defense was to set the Enterprise to self-destruct, annihilating the tangled masses of torn metal together. The galaxy wasn't big enough for two Picards. Alas, the damage sustained in the fight rendered the Enterprise's self-destruct system useless. In his own final act of desperation, Shinzon initiated the Thaleron weapon, ensuring that every living thing on the Enterprise would perish. ordered Chief Engineer Lieutenant Commander Jordi LaForge to beam him aboard the scimitar so Picard could personally stop the weapon. At its core, this was a personal fight, existentially an eternal one. No one else should suffer for a Picard's struggle with actualization. Just after transport, however, the Energizers suffered complete catastrophic failure, making it impossible to bring them back online. Data, reflecting on the countless occasions Captain Picard and his crew went above and beyond the call of duty to stand for him, the numerous times they risked their own lives for an android some refused to believe was alive to begin with, reflecting on the words of a great man he admired. Sometimes the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or the one. Decided to launch a daring rescue mission to save the man who took those same words as gospel from another great man. Being unaffected, of course, by the vacuum of space, Data literally hurled himself into danger across the void between the two starships and into the scimitar's gaping hull. On board the Warbird, Picard battled his way through the bridge where he and Shinzon would engage in a struggle for identity realized in physical form. A final confrontation as seconds counted down toward the firing of the weapon. Though physically younger, Shinzon was encumbered by the literal and metaphorical rot destroying him from within. Picard evaded Shinzon's attacks long enough to get near the Thaleron generator, but realized he'd lost his phaser in the brawl. The two grappled. Picard, drawing on his passion for swordplay, dodged Shinzon's dagger until, pinned against the wall, desperately grasped a hinged spire that stood parallel. Feeling it move, he instinctively pulled it from the wall and left Shinzon to lunge at him, impaling himself. Experience and patience outlasted the impulsive young Picard yet again. Now of singular focus, Shinzon pulled himself along the pipe, running himself through until Picard had no path of escape. He wrapped his hands around Picard's throat, resolved to seal their fate together. 
Shinzon died throttling the man he could have been, but never would. Seeing now, seeing no escape, a cold wave of helplessness washed over Picard. Dazed, he barely processed Data's arrival as he pulled Shinzon's body off of Picard. Before he could react, let alone protest, Data activated an emergency transport beacon he'd placed on the captain's uniform. After he beamed away, Data turned toward the generator, fired his phaser to create a cascade failure, and destroyed the scimitar, and himself along with it. In the end, Shinzon proved himself just as important, just as impactful as Picard, yet his legacy would live in infamy. The Romulan Star Empire was in shambles, an echo of itself when it struggled to survive the crisis that would befall it less than a decade later. Countless were dead. The Reman people saw their one hope for equality shattered. The irony of Shinzon's life, the reason he failed to be the great man he sought to be, was his torture by both the presence and absence of his counterpart. He lived only a short time, never quite aware of being a living oxymoron. If Picard never existed, neither would he. But as long as Picard did, he never truly could. Star Trek and all related marks, logos, and characters are solely owned by CBS Studios, Inc. This fan production is not endorsed by, sponsored by, nor affiliated with CBS, Paramount Pictures, or any other Star Trek franchise, and is a non-commercial fan-made film intended for recreational use. No commercial exhibition or distribution is permitted. No alleged independent rights will be asserted against CBS or Paramount Pictures. Live long and prosper.